Good evening. Are you up all night tossing and turning, mind racing? Can't get to sleep? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. Now we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. Podcast creates a safe place where you can put all those nasty little thoughtsies, as I, I like to call them, starting today, thoughtsies. You can put all those thoughts aside and just listen to the story. It's going to distract you. And as the story goes on, it's going to get a little bit more and more boring. And soon, you'll find yourself drifting off into sleep. That's the goal. If this is your first time here, welcome. Give it a try. See if it works for you. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. I hope you find something else. If you can't sleep, I hope you find something else that helps you fall asleep. If you're just looking for something mind-numbing, but not for sleeping, maybe this will work too. I don't know. You can find us on the web at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. If you have questions, you can email them to feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com or on Twitter at Dearest Scooter. I think that's it. And then we got a couple pieces of housekeeping here. First up is uh, Y Lizzle in New Zealand. Gave us a nice review on iTunes. And they unexpectedly stumbled upon the podcast, I think. Why Lizzle? Let me know how you found the podcast. I'm interested. I'm just curious. Was it a friend or just a random stumble across? Also, I think, I don't know if I already said this, but Why Lizzle's from New Zealand. Now, we got this international showdown going, but New Zealand, you want to talk about the international loyalty showdown? New Zealand, you guys won it by a long shot. Or courteous. International Courtesy Showdown. You guys, New Zealand, I'm crowning you international champs of courtesy. So thanks to you and the rest of New Zealand. Second piece of housekeeping. T-Dub Forever. I like the name, T-Dub. Gave us a great review, and one of T-Dub's comments was, maybe one of the secrets of the podcast is the long pauses in between sentences and that thank you for the review and the and the feedback the funny th- the reason i'm laughing t-dub forever is that i actually sometimes have to um that that was a joke that long, extra long pause but i have to edit out extra long pauses which i'm always like man is this so i find i spend a, a fair amount of time fretting about my pauses and i'm like man what but I don't want to screw it up either, right? Right, T-Dub Forever? But thank you for your review. I appreciate it. If either if either one of you want to email me, feedback at sleepingpodcast.com, let me send you a little thank you, a little bonus episode. A couple Twitter thank yous to send out for recommending people. Uh, Dia, I believe, D-H-E-A-H, at the Blue Bug on Twitter. Had, had nice things to say about the podcast, as did... Red Mailbox, at our Red Mailbox. Thank you both for, you know, that's the main way this podcast works is you tell somebody, if the podcast works for you, let somebody else know. If you hate the podcast, shut shut the F up. Uh, 
it, 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 part of the reason I'm laughing, and man, I'm going to get sidetracked when I'm going to try to do it. I got some feedback today about something other than the podcast. And this is how crazy, I, and I, I only, I'm putting this out there, not as a poor me type thing, but I'm just curious um, in case, as an example, of, so that no one, well, I hope there's no one out there as crazy as me, but if you are, maybe you'll feel like you're not alone, which is one other theme of this podcast is that you're not alone if you can't sleep at night. There's a lot of people out there who can't sleep. So I got this feedback on this piece of writing, and it was from people I didn't know. The feedback was pretty harsh. Um, but that was my that's my initial reaction. I'm, I'm actually reeling from it because I just read the feedback. But I'm like, man, isn't that the kind of feedback I wanted? Like hard, constructive criticism. But it, it does have an emotional impact. And then I'm like, man, so I don't know. I guess I, I, maybe I'm going to get feedbacking myself right now or criticizing myself. I'm like, man, I, don't, I can't even get my criticism of my criticism, criticism of my reaction of criticism right. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's hard to hear feedback or criticism. But a lot of times it's it's like the person's just trying to help. You don't know their intention. Right now I'm talking to myself as an aside. So let's just, but so um, point is your podcast podcast you're listening to is in the host of a as podcast you're listening to is in the hands of a madman, which you already knew. But if any of you sting from criticism, even when it's said good natured delir and help. And this isn't like me subtly trying to talk about anybody this week. This was totally unrelated to the podcast. Um, yeah, sometimes it's not easy, but it, just like growing up's not easy either. Shit, jeez. So that's it. Thank you to everyone that gave feedback. If you have a chance to review and rate us on iTunes, that's great. If you don't, if you even have a chance to subscribe in iTunes, do that. I don't know. Then iTunes will say, hey. Maybe they'll recommend it to the next person. If you have any other feedback, harsh or not harsh, don't don't hesitate to give it to me because I'm always looking to uh, serve you guys better. And speaking of serving you better, two, two things. I messed up some storage this month issues, so I, I'm going to upgrade my storage plan so I won't have to worry about uh, keeping every single episode average of 40 minutes. If we go to 42 minutes every episode, that's fine. And I know some of you like that longer episode. And I can understand that. If you're in bed and you can't sleep, you want reassurance. And that's something this podcast is supposed to provide you. And I'm trying. Um, but also I've been trying to, as I've started this podcast, I've been as I've been working on it, as I've been thinking of you guys, my, my loyal and wonderful listeners that can't sleep. I'm like, how are we going to bridge this gap? Obviously, I don't want you guys to start sleeping good and then abandon the podcast, but I don't want you all suffering or any of you that are suffering that can't sleep. And I'm like, how are we going to get more hard how to get a good night's sleep info into this podcast? How am I going to fold it into this podcast? And I have a tiny little idea. I'm not going to share it with you now of how to do that. So it probably won't be upcoming in the next two weeks, but probably after that. So probably mid to late June, a little tiny something you might notice fold, folded into the podcast. Not binaural beats or anything like that. 
that might be on the horizon might not be. This is just like a a way to help um, convey information to you in a fun way about how to get a better night's sleep. So pretty much just gave you no information other than uh, I'm working, <laughs> I'm working on it, which, yeah. All right, well, let's get on to the uh, show. We're back tonight with another episode of Get Besos, the tale of Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Penny's escape from purgatory and return to Earth in a quest for vengeance against Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon.com, and the man they feel crushed their retail empires. Older episodes can be found at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash getbesos, G-E-T-B-E-S-O-S, spelled B-E-S-O-S because it's a fictional person character. Um, when we last left off, there was like uh, angels with flaming swords. R- R.W. was doing some, he wasn't in the episode, so he was kind of mad at me. James Cashpenny was in the episode trying to deal with these angels using the buddy system in hell and everything went to pot I guess or crap or everything went awry at the end of the episode so James Cashpenny was taken into custody I believe and everyone in hell kind of agreed to go work for Hans Zimmer Gorbelli and I think Jif and Angela got away that's where we left off let's get back to another episode that I say with a heavy heart because of the loss must be the last time I I say that I'm sorry to Angela. Uh, I say I'm sorry to Melanie Gifford, Griffith and Antonio Banderas because I don't want to beat it over, beat a dead horse or whatever. Well, yeah, that's probably not the right metaphor for the end, my right saying for the end of a relationship. I don't want to harp on things. There you go. I wish I could have thought of that as a pun because there's angels, but it wasn't a pun. Not even 100% sure what a pun is, but it would be like, using harp and angel in a unique way on purpose. So that defeats any punning. The incidental punist. Maybe that'll be my uh, my my nonfiction book <laughs> that I would never write. Incidental punist. But that could be like a punter. I got a good long story about me punting a football uh, for some someday. But yeah, let's get back to... Uh, Another episode of Get Besos. Hiya! All right, so when we open up tonight's episode, James Cashpenny is thrown into inside to a, a, a tent. One of those are like real nice tents. One of those one of those real nice tents you might see at a, on a, a luxury camping. You know, like it's almost like an octagon with linen and such that you might see. I mean, they had nice tents in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So maybe the tent, the guy that was conspiring with the Nazis, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but I want to say Scolari, but I know it's not even close, but that scumbag. Well, actually, maybe it was... Well, anyway, let's not get sidetracked. I, not, not, not getting sidetracked, but... I went. There used to be this um, really good circus in San Francisco called, uh, of course, <laughs> called I don't remember, but they had a tent from uh, actually I think it might have been from Germany because it was called a Spiegel tent I believe, 
and it was like a very fancy tent. I believe it like was only, wow, talk about useless information. Beautiful tent from the inside. and I mean, from the outside, it looked like a regular kind of circus, small circus tent. The inside, if I, it, it was like, it was gorgeous. The tent was gorgeous and the circus was really good. And of course, I don't remember the name of the circus. It was on the San Francisco waterfront for many years. It'll probably come to me at some point. Pricey, very expensive. I mean, in, in, my, in my opinion, but it included dinner. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It's either fifty or a hundred bucks or a hundred and fifty bucks a person. Probably hundred and fifty bucks a person. Fifty with dinner, that's that's a great deal. I mean with this quality of circus too. And it had a story, story would change, singing. So it's kinda of like a musical and a circus, um with a story. All the kind of stuff I you'd think I'd love. I love circuses, by the way. Not no, no, no. Don't hold hold on, Freddie Sprague. Don't break in here and attack me. Not that circus. I'm talking about New Vaudevillian. And I don't even know if that's a term, but you know, circuses with people. Not not poor elephants that don't want to be there. Or seals that don't want to be there. Or lions that don't want to be there. None of that. What if you you get a good sort story with a little bit of a dark theme to it? You wheel to, you know, wrap it around some performance and some illusion. You got me. Tell me when. Tell me where. Tell me it costs less than one hundred fifty dollars. Uh, you know what? A sidetrack. Okay, back to back to the story. James Cash gets thrown in this tent. Nice tent we've established. This tent would not be big enough for a circus, but it's big enough for some devices. And there's some sort of shiny device in there and strapped to a metal seat with um, something on his head is R.W. And I hate to do this to people, but R.W. looks terrible. He uh, looks like he shed a lot of water weight, which, um, and he just looks like I'd say R.W. is normally considered a husky person. Like, I don't, I don't even know if that's a, a, a proper, I don't know, I don't, I don't think it's a pejorative term because I'm not saying it in a hurtful or discriminatory way. I'm just saying that's his body type, or was. But now whatever this water weight, or whatever he's been going through, it, it's just taking its toll. His face, his eyes are more sunken than normal. And, I mean, this, his eyes were sunken to start with. I mean, this guy probably was... Smoked way too many cigars, died at fifty of Bright's disease. So, not not the, uh, you know, he's not in, in, in any. Uh, I want to think of something witty to say about how healthy he wasn't, but I couldn't. Big fail there, but so R.W. is strapped to this metal machine. It's got wires. It's got beeping. It's got um, Tesla coils. A lot over the top, like a lot of stuff in this. these stories tend to be. And uh, it's got that nice red-tinted chrome. And uh, he's hooked up to it, and James is thrown in, and James comes around. He's like, oh, man, he's shaking. James Cash is shaking. And he sees R.W. R.W. is kind of passed out, and he gets up, 
and he looks at him and he holds his hands who are when you're passed out, you know, in a chair, your hands are just kind of limp there. His arms are strapped down to the chair. He feels his hand and, and um, to get tactile for a podcast, his hand is like that clammy, cold temperature that defines sickly, you know. You know, he's alive, but you never want to touch a person in their coldish and clammy. I mean, you're supposed to be, what, 90... 98.5 or something inside, 98.7, 97.9, 99.8, somewhere between 97 and 99. Or uh, probably 90, if you hit 99, you probably got a fever. But, you know, and you're not, normally people aren't clammy. I mean, your your hands, when you handshake someone might be clammy. Nothing to be ashamed of. A lot of people have clammy hands. But his on the outside of the top of the hand is clammy and cold. And James is like, oh, man, man, you know, but R.W., R.W., R.W. kind of looks up. His eyes are kind of cross. Oh, but, oh, oh, well, and then he really makes eye contact with James. And he sees his friend's face, and they haven't seen each other in a while. Oh, my best friend is here. Oh, buddy. Oh, oh, what would they do to you, R.W.? What, what's going on? Oh, it's not, it's not what they did to me, James. It's what I did. And, uh, just, I don't even, I've been, oh, James, I'm sorry. I got a lot to be sorry for. The way I treated you, you're my best friend. I just want you to know. You know, we've gone through my guilt and this whole story, which is culminating right now in this tent with me being attached to this machine and the whole hell, I don't know. But I'm sorry, okay? And you are my best friend. If there's any doubt in anything, there's no doubt. I, I love you. And I appreciate you. Oh, Art W., you've, you're in terrible shape, man. Thank you. You are my best friend, too. And R.W., I, I do love you, too, man. And I, I've missed you. And it's going to be okay. I don't know why you're acting so heartfelt. Part of me is touched, but I'm worried about you. Part of me is touched with worry because what did they do to you? Oh, this is a uh, this machine here. Is Corbelli's little uh, brainchild for ending hell, uh, a new hell, or you know, efficiency? I don't know. I can. I'm, it's it's activating. Um, this wonderful machine is. Uh, I, I I don't know how many. Th- oh, I, I I I I. Okay, R.W. Don't talk. Okay, uh, I'll try to figure out. I'll, I'll try to figure out. Man, so, all right, you, you seem to be, the machine activates, says, do something to? Uh, yes, and um, it's Gorbelli's machine. Yes. And can you answer questions other than yes or no questions? Yes, I can, and I will. I would love to. And does the machine make you a more positive person? 
Uh, I, yeah, it, uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, I guess so. Uh, yes. And what's the, what's the, what's the purpose of the machine? Oh, to save humanity, James. Um, the machine. And it just has you experience all the woe and pain you've caused other people. And other things, and I've been ant squashed, I've been ant burned. I mean, I did a lot of bad things to ants when I was a young lad. I've I've been a terrible man, and it's, it's, I'm all bad, James, I'm all bad inside. And I'm a shell now because I'm so awful. And uh, I... I uh, I'm being too mean to myself, even. I've always been too hard on myself. And, oh, oh, okay, don't talk anymore. Okay, so he's. this is going to save humanity. How? Wait, uh, um, I, I, I can't imagine I would ever do, like, I'm going to only do good, I guess. I, I feel afraid of causing any more pain in, in life and I can't I can't do any more bad it makes me shamed and oh, RW okay stop man um so if we went back in time well no no if we reverse time or you trade you wouldn't even start your store oh no no James I would not even well, probably wouldn't leave the womb, but that's not an option. I would just be a little angel. And, uh, I mean, not really. I'd be, well, maybe, I don't know, James. I would just not do much, stay home, help ladies cross the street. But uh, that's so, uh, okay. Okay, RW, stop. Okay. Okay, RW. So, you think this, you think this thing is going to, so... This is Gorbelli's plan to replace hell. Is this thing? Like, did, did, does he said anything about what he put? Um, anybody that dies uh, will go through this machine and some sort of rebirth. Uh, this machine's just meant, you know, like hell. If you were going to go to hell, you'd be kind of suffering eternally the fate. So this one, you suffer, I guess, uh... I mean, he gave me, like, a quadruple dose, but I guess two, three hours on this thing, buddy. And you, uh, you cared of, uh, your foibles, I guess, or your dark side, or whatever. So, I, I mean, I don't know the rest of the stuff, if we're reborn, or we're supposed to tell people, or it'd be word of mouth, or he's gonna put some circulars in the Sunday paper about this, but, uh... Uh, maybe a parade magazine will do a profile of him with the machine, and then the people will be like, oh, dear, I don't want that when I die. I don't know, buddy. Uh, but it'll work. I got uh, no doubt about it that uh, people will no longer do uh, if they go through this. Oh, oh I'm just a show. Okay. Okay, buddy. It's okay. Uh, I, I I wish I had time to think about this. It's just something, something's not sitting right with me. Of course something's not sitting right with you, Mr. James Cashpenny. Ah, uh, Gorbelly. Ah, uh, yes, it is I, Hansima Gorbelly. So good to see you again. 
And you got that creepy voice back on there, Gorbelly. What happened to your uh, logger outfit? My logger disguise was only to make him feel more comfortable with me to bring me into hell, which I could not access because of some access issues. And then you brought me into the side of hell where I completed all my plans. How do you like your new friend R.W. so much more loving and placid and reformed? Yeah, this this is, I mean, this is is my friends here, but this is only part of my friend. Uh, it's like you, uh, and look at him. He's all shriveled up, kind of. Ah, that is merely a side effect of the uh, process of grieving your awfulness, and he will get over it soon. So, it is all done. The angels are signing the deal now to put me in charge of new hell. I will have these machines operational, and people will come when they die. They will get processed through, and they will be reformed, and then they will come work for me. And what do you mean, work for you? In, you, know, you met all the workers at the worker village. They didn't really work for hell. They were working for me, Mr. James Cashpenny. And what are they going to be working for you doing? Ha <laughs> ha. They will be doing things like making sure the upkeep for the people that are coming in, to they will be running all the machines on the uh, recently dead, and they will be keeping my uh, luxury post-life experience going for people that are passing on from Earth. They don't need to use these machines. They will be experiencing a, uh, a non-death post-life wonderfulness that I will have going. I like to call it... Uh, Heaven 2.0. So you got something better than heaven. I don't know about you, James Ketchman, but I've never been to heaven. And I don't know how many people are going to be qualified. So just in case, even if you think you are, you could go to maybe heaven. You could come experience the rigors of this machine. Or for a small earthly sum and a little bit of soul power, I... We'll free you from your sentence, and 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 you can. It's a whole thing I'm working on. It's not totally developed, but uh, it will be because I will have an unlimited labor force. And the, you told the angels all this. Oh yes, James Cashpenny. Those angels are under a lot of pressure. They are experiencing the thing thing your friend is, fear of disappointing their leader. They they want to impress him, and how. Could he be more impressed when he sees that all the humans, they no longer have to suffer eternally in hell? Isn't that what's bothering you, James Cashpenny, a little bit? The idea that one or two mistakes and you suffer forever? Not fair, and James, and Anzima Gorbel. Okay, Gorbel, I get, I, get I, get, I get your rationalizations, okay? But you and I, uh, don't waste my time, bro. Okay, I know you got all these point bullet points or talking points. Save that for freaking CNN or whatever the hell you're gonna do to market yourself in this post-life thingamajig. What I don't know. I see you got the angels fooled. Maybe the big guy or whatever, whatever force. Maybe you're right, but I I don't think you are. Okay, and and I don't see, I don't get it. 
like I've been trying to wrap my head around it for a little while. Like, are you Satan? I don't think so, but you could be. Like, you could be a tricky Satan. Or what's what's driving you? I, I mean, I know you said you're going to get some soul juice or whatever and some money. And are you going to create an army and overthrow heaven? But if you already have a luxury heaven going, even if it's a pale imitation of heaven, it beats me. In, I mean, I've been in hell. That sucked in there. And the hell canyon's kind of dull. So it could become its own version of hell. So I, I just don't get, like... I get the sense that you're actually trying to save humanity. I don't, or what, what is it? Mr. James Cashpenny, we don't have the time, unfortunately, for me to get into it. But I tried to unlock the secret for you already. When lions are being led by lambs, remember I told you that? About the trenches of World War One, And my brothers in arms suffering watching the men on the other side suffering the same fate and being told to go. And if you fall, you're fallen. If, 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 you know, I can't get into the graphicness of that, James, but, but it, 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 it's made me well aware that man cannot be trusted. I, I don't know how else to explain. We cannot be left to our own devices on Earth. I'm hoping that by stripping these generals, these leaders, these politicians. They don't care, man. You know that as well as I do. You know, this guy R.W., what if ants were people? He's just walking around stopping them when he was a boy. But then you become an adult, you're supposed to know better, but we never do, none of us. And if we could just see the suffering... If I could have just brought these generals for a day or two in the trench, sure they'd come and get that picture taken on the day when it was raining or the sun was shining, depending on the type of propaganda they were trying to produce. They didn't know what experience it was really like in there. And when they sent us in, in these pointless attacks and counterattacks and flank here and move here and, and see that teeny tiny hill... You'll lose your lives and your limbs and your and your soul, James Cashpenny. My soul is gone. My heart was gone on that field. Yes, I, I lived an entire life, but it affected me in a way that I cannot recover from. And if they could have come and seen that and seen the consequences of their actions, I truly believe there would be no war. There would be no pain and suffering, James Cashpenny. Needless. People would just live their lives out or something. I don't know, but I cannot. It is my life's quest to put an end to this thing. And you may not believe in J. Hansimakobelli. I think you're Mr. Penny, so I'm so sweet. I was not traumatized, or I'm beyond trauma, or I've grown. I have not grown. My wounds will not heal. And hence, I must stop the wounding from wounding others. And this is my solution. Okay? So, yeah, it might not be perfect. Uh, blah, blah. And sure, I like rich people, okay? I like luxury. And I like figuring things out and breaking the rules and stuff, too. But you got to trust me on this, man. I've looked at a lot of under... you got to trust me at this, man. I, I looked at some lot of other angles. And this one is going to fix it all. 
not sure things might be a little bit different. But think about it, no more war, no more. Remember the slavery and hatred and all that'll be gone. No more brothers pushing sisters. No more cousins poking cousins. No more sitting in the way back of the car and your brothers burning you with the seatbelt that's been in the sun for so long. And no more trench warfare, James Cashpenny. No more needless pain and suffering. I, 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 no more pain and suffering at all at the hands of another man or woman. Okay? Kind of like your golden rule. It's just perfected. And maybe you're just jealous. But I, this is my life's work and it is right. And I believe if these angels have their boss and the boss comes, God, as many have been afraid to say, or the Lord, or maybe you believe in some other facet of this, the creator, the mother, whatever. If she comes, if he comes and sees this, people are no longer hurting each other. What could they want more, you know? So I'm right, James Cashpenny. And you, my friend, are wrong or wrongish. And you need to stay out of my way. Okay? Because I'm going to get you out of my way no matter what. Now, that is all I have to say. And I'm sure you have some comments to add on, so why don't you go ahead and I will give you a minute or two to comment. It will not change my mind. It will not change my mind. I was in the trenches. Okay? That is where my mind was formed as a young man. As my mind grew and my knowledge grew and... I, 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 I can't go on anymore. Okay, I'm getting irritated because I'm ha sick of defending myself and you're just staring at me not saying anything because you think I'm going to run out of things to say and I don't. So I will give you a chance to speak now and then you will forever hold your peace. James Cashpenny. Hans Zimmer Gorbelli, I've listened to everything you had to say and I hear what you're saying. Um, you want to protect everyone. You want to protect yourself? You don't want anyone to go through what you did in the trenches of WW1. And I, I bet you RW doesn't want, didn't want his kids to go through Bright's is Oh, don't talk about Bright's Oh, James, James. Okay, RW. But we're, 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 a lot's happened here, Hans. Now, I'm still not even sure if this is which reality and we're for, well, I mean, the past couple weeks, past couple months, however long since I left purgatory, it's been confusing. Um, if I was a living human and hadn't already been to purgatory, my world would be like quadruply rocked. Because I'm, you know, lo no longer alive, so I don't have to worry about what happens when I die. I'm a, less, a little bit less freaked out, but I'm still freaked. I mean, I've been to hell like three or four times. You got you... so. Somehow hell's been nuked and, and erased. But listen, we're at, we're at a fork in the road now. Hell's gone. Nothing we can do about it. You've got your little hell-like machine. According to the angels, they can't get God on the God phone or some. this is some giant test or maybe this is the reality. I don't know. But the thing is, my faith isn't shaken here. Now, that might be might sound funny to you, Hans, because it seems like your faith was almost destroyed. 
And I'm not talking about religion or concrete black and white issues, sons. I'm talking about this fork in the road, and it's a metaphor, but also it's a real thing. We could go your way and assume the worst and be proactive about assuming the worst about humanity. And there is a lot of bad. I'm not going to take that away from you. This World War I stuff is a perfect example. And the other stuff you said, racism, slavery, violence against women, all this stuff, you know, it's terrible. But Hans, man, we can't go down that road. You're kind of like, I think this whole thing that we're going through, that these people on earth, these humans, these living people are going through, is like some free will thing. I don't get it. But I got to assume the best or the grayest, that you can go bad, you can go good. But I don't, I don't know, Hans. I'm having trouble I'm having trouble explaining it. This is going to be more confusing, but like not doing wrong is not good. And this whole being good crap, it's, it's not good enough for me. All right, if if I, uh, uh, whoa, I'm not about to, I'm not playing God here, Hans. But I, ew, I don't know, man. And I'm I'm a little scared because it feels like you're you can't fix what's not broken. I don't know, Hans. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't want to listen to you, James. I'm about to destroy you. So just get to the point, and then I will eliminate you from existence. Okay, let me give you a couple examples. You got Angela. She's out there somewhere, alive. Now, if I know Angela, she tried to sneak back in here to see her old boyfriend, the bookstore guy. And yeah, I know about him. I've known about him all along. But then she had second thoughts, and she wanted to help out. And then she came back again, and then she left again, and, and she's been trying to figure it out. But then she thought about the good times they had together, and I bet you she found him, and they embraced, and they kissed. And now they're probably in some kind of argument about something. You can't, we can't, undo, you can't just make a helmet to stop that and make sense of it. You can't make sense of that. And then you got Jeff. Now, Jeff, he was going to help us out here, right? Help me escape. Help RW escape. At least that was what I was hoping. Now, Jeff, I'm just taking a gander, I guess. He came in, got a survey of your camp, looked around. He saw the wires, saw some shiny stuff, saw some people. He started counting the people, started putting things into categories and wondering about your logistics, and then started trying to think like you. And now he's like, he's either, he's like, where the hell does this guy keep his data? How, how this Gorbelli, how does he know how many people are dying? Where, where are they coming from? How many of these people are evil? What percentage of the world is rich? How many rich people die on a day? How many rich people are over this? So somewhere he's hacking into your data, and I don't even know where you keep hell-related data, 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 whatever you call it, Hans. So, is Jif good? Is he bad? Or is he just Jif? And if there is some, if my faith, my belief, you know, I'm a big fan of the golden rule. 
do unto others as they would do unto you. But there's a lot left unsaid with that rule. And one of them is delight in other people when they're being themselves, Hans. I, I could almost delight in you. You're kind of, when you were the lumberjack, you weren't half bad. Now you're kind of this creepy, super mad scientist type guy. But I can still see, I can see you in that trench. And I'm not delighting in your pain, but I understand it. Must have been terrible in there, cold, scary, watching people die. It's no good. So, don't you think that we, isn't there like a middle road we can find, Hans? Uh, no, there is no middle road, James Cashpenny, because I'm going to eliminate you with this. What the hell is that? This is a trench knife imbued with a cosmic power. And whoever I cut with it will be rendered open inside to be sucked inside the fabric of the universe or something I don't know. It's got some chaos in there, and it was forged in a place where the heaven and the hell energies meet. And I met this guy, and I paid him, and he made this. He took the trench knife I use. See how it's a trench knife. They didn't even arm us properly at WW1 Trench Warfare. We made these. But anyway, it's got a grip. And so it's got, it just looks like a knife with, but see if you look in it, see all that's crazy. It's very technicolory. So I'm going to cut you with it. And you will be uh, probably similar to when the, probably the same type of stuff they nuke hell with, right? Because you went went back down and checked, right? Yeah, it was totally gone. There was like this void of emptiness there. All right, so you'll be sucked into the void of emptiness. So, on guard. Well, one more thing, Hans. We forgot about Mr. Hell. I'm Freddie Sprague. Reggae. Freddie Sprague. I'm sure Mr. Hell, he's probably taking a nap. Or looking at something like uh, giggling. Because he's off of work now. Or... Maybe he ran into Freddie Sprague and Freddie Sprague took him with him because Freddie Sprague started thinking about all your wires and stuff. He's interested and he probably figured out exactly what's going on. And he's about to shut off the machine attached to RW. Oh, buddy, I feel great. Something just shot me full of energy. I just broke my bonds and I'm standing up now. And RW about to come through the roof of the tent with that hole that just shot open with a laser is the horn of Jethro reach up your hand and the horn of Jethro flies through and lands in R.W.'s hand oh this is odd and Reggae Freddy Sprague the master of electric torsion the inventor of electric torsion that runs all the subway cars of the world is about to show throw me my Biden boom and the Biden, the original hell Biden that James Cash Penny's carried near him or with him. And not a little while, because it's been in the possession of Angela Jiff and Freddie Sprague. He's in James's hand. And then James does it on, gu- on guard. R.W., I want you to go outside. I want you to point the Honor Jethro at those angels. If they move, obliterate them. That is the Horn of Jethro, the most powerful weapon in the known supernatural universe. Right. And if I don't survive this fight, R.W., 
I'm looking at you to fix this whole mess. I don't have any idea how. But, uh, hmm. You could start with, like, obliterating some stuff with the Horn of Jethro, particularly this clown, Hans Emmerich Gorbelli. And then maybe just start blowing it and shooting stuff, and then someone from heaven will come down and see. You know, probably sends out. It's probably pretty loud. All right, buddy, I'm going to go outside. You don't want to take me some piece of angel ass. Well, 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 wait a second. Yeah, don't talk like that. Well, I'm going to kick me some angel butt. No, you don't. I just want you to point, like, threaten them. I'm going to scare me some angel wings. That's, uh, that's not even... Just go outside and keep the angels under guard, please. You got it. My my best friend. The L stuff we'll talk about, okay. All right, go ahead, RW. And then they start fighting uh, James K. Then RW goes outside the tent. And then a gust hits the tent. The tent blows away. It's standing on this plain of hell, surrounded by giants and men that are part horse and people from hell, from different, the sullen and the uh, the people, the, the, the wrathful, all sorts, every section of hell. You got professors that uh, taught their kids lies. There's a place in hell for those, believe it or not. As a quick aside, I've, th- I've thought about becoming a, a teacher that, like, taught kids. Like, I was thinking maybe third or fourth grade, and I'd be like, all right, today we're going to cover UFOs. And, um, you know, a lot of times your parents tell you, UFO, you know, maybe ease the kids into it, but just, you know, teach them stuff that may or may not be true, but that they shouldn't be taught as a fact, like UFOs would be one. When the fourth, uh, you know, we had the uh, fourth intergalactic war. Uh, Billy, who was the uh, crown prince of Earth at that time? Like that. Okay, back to so James Cashpenny's holding that that Biden, Biden. It's gleaming a metallic red color, and Hans Zimmer Gorbelli raises his trench knife, which is uh, dark black with the uh, miasma. I don't know if no miasma is like um, definitely not the right word, but uh, you know a whole whole universe going on there, like a night starry night sky. And they clash. And they're fighting each other. And Hans Emmer Gorbelli is kicking dirt. And people are cheering. And then Gorbelli's workers are coming. And and back and forth, clashing this Biden. A couple times, James James catches the knife in the crook of the Biden. And does one of those things where he tries to throw the thing around uh, Gorbelli's wrist and wrestle the knife away, but Gorbelli's got that trench knife, and that's the thing, like, where you stick your fingers through the uh, handle, so you really can't knock it out of someone's hand, really tough stuff, and then another time, Gorbelli gets in close and pop, uses the uh, handle, hits James on the forehead, and there's a lot of, like, unnecessary um, somersaults and spins and leg moves, because these guys, have, they're not real fighters, so they learn most of their stuff from TV. So their fighting moves are based on ridiculous stuff like that. But finally, Hans Zimmer Gorbelli starts to tire because he's definitely, even though he's dead, James Cashpenny's dead. So Hans Zimmer Gorbelli starts to tire. They're battling still, and he's got Hans Zimmer Gorbelli up against his machine. 
They're still battling. Then James kind of backs off, and Hans and Rigorbelli's breathing. Oh, Mr. Penny, no. Mr. Penny, I must. I, I guess I have to surrender, and I have to say one thing. Is that you win or you lose? He throws the uh, trench knife. Thing, perfect shot into James Cashpenny's thigh. The knife goes in into the hilt. James, oh, oh, he goes down on one knee. And then Hans Emmerich Gorbel is like, you will never win. You are going to lose. And then you notice like the... um, the night sky type thing, kind of like an evil night sky. I don't know if I've ever seen an evil night sky, but slowly starts to creep from the blade into James's uh, knee and, like, spread very slowly through his leg, very, very slowly. But you know it's not good. And James like, oh, boy, I can feel my, my interstellar makeup or something breaking apart. Oh, and James stumbles towards Han, and he goes... He falls on Hans Zimmer at Gorbel. He puts his hand, it bested me, Gorbelli. And he'd already dropped his Biden, so he wasn't going to, like, do a quick stab with the Biden. And uh, he goes, oh, Gorbelli, I guess, I guess we're going to have to, I guess we're going to have to go with your plan. And he reaches down. He grabs the, like, helmet, boom, puts it on Gorbelli's head. And, Fred, Fred, I hit it. And the whole thing lights up, and then the whole sky like the whole canyon of hell or this area shaking and there's bright lights and and they're flashing different colors like and cool colors like a purple like a purple flame is going above Corbelli's head and it's changing to unexpected colors psychedelic style and Hans is like shaking ah, ah. then he starts crying and muttering to himself and uh, R.W. runs up to James. Oh, you okay, buddy? I uh, didn't have to shoot the angels. What's going on over here? Are you uh, giving him his own medicine? No, James. We switched around the, uh, uh, to- I don't know, Freddy did something with the torsion or something, the electric uh, volcanic something, and uh, he uh, reset it. So right now he's experiencing all his unfulfilled potential. Gorbelli's like, oh, I've spent my life after working with just cured meats and processed food. What a waste. I could have, why didn't I write that Broadway play? Oh, oh, I could have had children. Oh, oh, and then my afterlife, I forced Princess Di. Oh, in the working at Walmart. Oh, my goodness, I've I've wasted so many lives. Oh, and then it starts to all sink in. He's like experiencing the ripple effect or the butterfly effect of all his, not just his bad choices, but the choices he never made or if he had been the best Hans or Zimmer Gorbel he could have been, like what the world missed out on, not just pain, but happiness. And that is a form of pain, you know, sometimes. When, I mean, you can't look back at your life and live that way. But this is like a concentrated effect. And at some point he just passes out. And James, all right, kill it, Freddy. Kill the power. And uh, James takes uh, Hans and Gorbelli in his arms. And Hans, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, oh. And he's crying. And, and uh, you know, it's like he kind of went through a ten times more intense experience than like a Scrooge 
or that guy in the Christmas movie where the angel gets his wings. Oh, there, Mom, Mr. Clancy, that saves the bank. I know I shouldn't know that movie, but you know, I, don't, I don't know it off the top of my head. Wonderful Life. It's Wonderful Life. Jimmy Stewart, I believe, maybe. But, man, I just made myself look like a jerk. But I am a jerk, okay? I don't know. No one in my family is a big fan of that movie, so I wasn't raised watching it as you judge me. Maybe you should put this helmet on. I guess maybe I should. Holy mackerel. Uh, so James has uh, uh, Gorbelli in his arms, and uh, everyone's gathering around. Everyone's like, Are you okay? Are you okay? So James like... Uh, I'll be okay. I'm gonna be fine. R.W. is down at his thigh, like tying off a tourniquet, trying to staunch the flow of um, this strange chaos type energy. You know, kind of like uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's not quite like Walking Dead um, or Gangrene or Venom in Spider-Man, but like a combination of those. James, okay. Uh, everybody, just everybody, just stay calm. Let's all just take a rest. We beat Gorbelli. Everything's gonna be fine. I'm gonna figure everything. I just need to rest. And I, oh, oh, buddy. Uh, and then it's like um, we're in a triple plutonic male holding situation here because R.W. is holding James Cashpenny against his chest, and then James Cashpenny is holding. Holding Hans Emmer Gorbelli. And then the reason I'm laughing is because Mr. Halsey says, Oh, Richard Warren Sears, Richard Warren Sears, you need some comfort. And Mr. Richard Warren Sears, I'm coming, buddy, I'm coming. And he runs and holds on. And then him and R.W. are fighting. And in that moment of those two kind of trying to assert their uh, uncomfortableness with plutonic male-on-male intimacy, uh, also called friendship, Little, little little code word, friendship, love. Uh, I mean, well, maybe, I don't know if those two actually love each other. They might just they tolerate each other, but it's a good place to stop, you know. There's just a lot's happened, and, uh, you know, we don't need to be shaken to our cores here. This is just a story, and you're probably asleep. But if you're not... Um, I mean, I don't know what to think. I can't believe this, all this happened, and I just hope everything's going to be okay, but I know everything's going to be okay if you get some rest, okay? So just get some rest, and we'll be back soon. All right, good night.